Well, hello everyone. It's announcement time here at Keys Vineyard Church. I know you're excited to see me. We do this like every week. And hey, you're here for this, I know. Announcement time. Hey, coming up soon, one more youth. Uh, that is our uh, youth group meeting. We meet usually on the first Wednesday of the month. That next meeting is going to be February 7th at 6.30 p.m. We invite our middle schoolers and high schoolers, 6th all the way up through 12th grade, to join us for a great time. We study the Word. We have pizza. We play some games. Great time. Uh, join us for that. Let your kids know about it as well. February 7th, 6.30 p.m. Also, a couple fun announcements as well. Coming up in February on the 21st, we are going to have our next family fun night. We set up the church with some of our favorite bounce houses and human foosball. We have a blast doing that. That's going to be on February 21st from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. We'll need some volunteers to make that possible. There should be a form on the app soon. Please help us. We beg you. Also, the following Wednesday, February 28th, we have another jam night coming up. Those are so much fun. Bring your instruments, sing along. We have a great time. That's open to everybody. You don't have to be a musician. You can just come and listen too. But that'll be February 28th, 6.30 p.m., our next jam night. Uh, the women's group starting back up February 6th here at the church at 6.30 p.m. Our men's group still going strong. We have all sorts of other groups meeting here at the church. Check out that app. Download that app for more info. Our app, not just any app, the KVC app. Put it on your home screen. Do it right now, okay? With all that being said, let's get ready for church. Woo! Everybody online, welcome. Getting ready to hop in. We had a great time of worship this morning. Looking forward to spending this next time with you. Uh, then we're starting a new series today, Kingdom Rebellion. Uh, it builds off of the last one that we did, Kingdom Revealed. So now we're going to be in Genesis 3 through 11. So get your Bibles, get coffee, get a comfy, uh, get comfortable, because here we go. Woo! Good morning, family. It is wonderful to see all of your faces and hear your voices. We're looking forward to spending time with you all in worship and in the Word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do this morning. We are going to start things off with communion. Pastor Barry is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss the kids off to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We're beginning our new series, Kingdom Rebellion, today. We're going to get a great overview. Like, there's so much crammed in today. It's really good. But before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning, and we thank you for what you've been doing in us through the week. We thank you for what you're going to continue doing in us this morning. Lord, it's our desire to be closer to you, to be more like you. Our spirits are willing. Our bodies are weak, though. 
So would you empower us Lord, would you give us ears to hear you clearly? Hearts to hear and receive, to be changed by you. Continue using us to do your kingdom work, Lord. You are so, so good to us. And we love you. And we thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty and everlasting God, in your great mercy, look upon our weaknesses and in all our dangers and needs, stretch out your right hand to help and defend us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Pastor Barry. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last supper, the Passover celebration. The cup of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance or remembrance that we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. So this morning, as we get together and partake of this meal, the bread, the cut, the body and blood of the Lord, we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with the awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So this morning over here on the side of the sanctuary on this table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship in song and you feel led by the Spirit, please come and partake and remember and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Barry. We're going to start our time of worship now. And I always try to encourage us as a church to sing to the Lord, worship him, praise his name. He is worthy of our praise. We're going to see the words on the screen so we can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit. Stand if you're able. He is a generous God. Giver of life and every good and perfect gift. With arms open wide, we come to receive from you, cause we know that you are generous God, giver of life and every good and perfect gift. Open wide, we've come to receive from you, cause we know that you, you'll do exceedingly, so much more than we could ask, be 
Come to 
Oh, we love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. And Father, as we are here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them. You're so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning. Yay! Today's story can be found in the book of Acts, guys. And as you remember, before Jesus returned to heaven, right, he told his friends, stay in Jerusalem, do not move. God is going to send you the Holy Spirit, right? Remember that? Well, the Holy Spirit came and Jesus' friends were speaking in different languages and people gathered around to see what was going on, right? And guess what happened then? The people could hear them, right, speak in their language, but they didn't understand what was happening. So Peter, he stood up and he said to them, I will tell you what is going on. And he reminded them of something that the prophet Joel had said. The prophet had told, <clears throat> had told God's people, right? That God had said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And I will show you wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that amazing? Yes, God through Jesus did miracles. The signs and wonders that Joel talked about, right? And God had planned for Jesus to die on the cross for us. But God raised Jesus back to life, right? And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he has sent us the Holy Spirit, is what Peter told them, right? And he said, Jesus is the Messiah that God had promised, and you crucified him, right? And the people knew that what Peter was saying was true. And they asked, what can we do, right? What should we do? And Peter replied, and we can read about this in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, each of you, right? In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? That day, 3,000 people, yes, turned away from their sins and were baptized. Isn't that amazing? And it tells us, I 3,000, that's like a lot of people, right? And guess what? 
it says that they um that as the days went by more and more people were being saved and what a story shows us is the holy spirit power to save and to change us who trust in jesus isn't that great raise your hand if you think woo great yeah <laughs> okay wow you guys are amazing <laughs> All right, you guys ready to do the Bible verse with me? Please repeat after me. Acts 2.38. Good. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Each of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Perfect, boys and girls. Perfect. Good job, kiddos. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And just for being so cute in general. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Pastor Georgina will pray for them and we'll send them to the children's church. Okay, boys and girls, are you ready? Let's talk to God, our Father, okay? So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for the beautiful way that you love us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to empower us, right, boys? To Yeah, to empower us to do all the things that you've called us to, to be brave enough to speak about you to others and share the amazing message. In Jesus' name, what do we say? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Yes, definitely. Have fun, kids. (laughs) Behave. Enjoy your snack. Yes. They'll come out with... Prizes usually? Yes. Look how cute some of this is. It's so cute. Killer cute. Oh, I didn't push the button. I got one job. One job. <laughs> one job. Absolutely. Actually, I did push the button, so I don't think it's my fault. Douglas, I, the button pushed and then it went back to that verse and it wasn't me. We pushed the wrong button. No, no, it was oh, the right button. Okay, I had it right and then it reverted. Oh. Yes. I'm, that's my story, and I'm sticking Stand with it. But well, you got it there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. He'll back me up. Oh, yeah, it was a glitch. We s- <laughs> it wasn't human. It wasn't human error. <laughs> it wasn't human error. So, uh, so, yeah, welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us. Absolutely. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to be with you. Uh, this Sunday morning. Yeah, Hope you're doing well. Uh, if you're in the sanctuary, you can see these QR codes. If you're watching online, you can't. If you point your smart device at that, it will give you links that are very helpful. Uh, the Connect card is there. If you've never filled that out, if it's your first time, do that real quick, real simple. Uh, the fill-in note links are there, so you can follow along and then email the notes to yourself when you're done. The listening assistance is there. The translation system is there. So during 9.30 and 11, we translate into 30 different languages. 
Um, so if you have one that you like better than English, uh, you can pick it and you can either read it on your phone or if you have headphones with your phone, uh, it translates almost in real time. It's really fascinating. So, so that's going on. That also works if you're watching online live. You can use that. Yeah. So that's kind of helpful. It doesn't work later on. Right. Uh, the language. Okay, so that's a lot of information. There's other stuff there. Check it out. Very happy. Uh, when we gather, we uh, we pray for our neighbors uh, corporately. We do this to encourage you to pray for the people that live around you every day. Very, very important. So think about a couple of your neighbors. Let's go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. Draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good. New series, Mm -hmm. Kingdom Rebellion. This is going to be a a, a deep dive into Genesis chapter 3 through 11. So the last series we did was Genesis 1 and 2. took us 10 weeks This one will take probably around the same time. Um, I could go a lot longer, but I won't. Uh, But when you have all of Genesis 1 to 11, and you sort of see the story behind it, it it will totally help you read the rest of the Bible. That's my goal in these messages, is that there is something extremely practical that comes from knowing the Bible story in helping you apply all the rest of the Bible to your life. And so if we just teach all of the application principles of the Bible, but you don't really get the story, you you don't know why, and when you know why, then it just all begins to sort of fit together and make sense. Absolutely. I think the tagline for underneath these series could be context, context, context. Yes, very good. I like that. very good, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to do an overview of the whole thing today, and then we'll break into it little by little. Quick joke, i got to do the bad jokes real quick. Uh, I'm currently reading a book on do-it-yourself house construction. If you're interested, it's by a guy named um, Bill Jerome Holmes. Bill Jerome Holmes. It's a delay, but or just bad. (laughs) Just bad. Yeah, okay, probably not. I I have a joke about a broken (gasps) clock, but Uh it's not the right time. Okay. Would you please pray for us? And lead us in the reading of the word. I would. Thank you. I'm going to give it my best shot. Let's pray. And then we'll read the word together. Papa, thank you for being with us this morning. And Lord, we we can't hide from your spirit. Your word tells us that even if we settle on the far side of the sea, there your spirit will find us. And here we are, Lord, living in this tension of the now and the not yet. And we long for that not yet to break through to heal our bodies, to touch our hearts, to calm our minds. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Genesis, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can sit. 
got my my giant Bucky's coffee cup. It, so it really the lid fits really tight, which is good. But just like a little while ago, I went, I, between services, I went just to top it off a little because I don't drink all that much, but I like it hot. Because if I drank all that much, I, uh. um. And the lid was so tight that when I pulled it off, it, it, the bottom fell out from my hand and it went over, all over that counter out there. <laughs> Big mess. Ruined a stack of napkins. And I'm like, oh. And so I look, Hannah. <laughs> I, I made a mess. But I said, the napkins are ruined, so you can use that to help clean it up. And I helped a little and then she followed up. So thank you, Hannah. And it was a big mess. I probably shouldn't have one quite... That's all good. I love my Bucky's cup. That's my story for the day. So, this is a... These next chapters, there are so many things going on um, that, that we could literally spend a year or more uh, going out. And we're not going to. We're going to... I'm going to try and highlight the main ones. And today I want to do an overview of the three big rebellions that happen in Genesis 3 through 11. And if you were with us when we did the sword sharpening series, I pointed these out. Uh, and we did a quick overview then, review, but we're going to do a, we're going to set it up so that we can actually move through all of the passages together, all of the chapters in Genesis 3. And the overview is to encourage you, this is my hope, is that you will read Genesis chapters 3 through 11. Uh, I'd love for you to get on it soon and easily be done in a week, but then keep going over it. But if that seems to just keep reading it, at least get Genesis 3 ready for next week because that's where we'll be hanging out. But uh, the big three are the fall, the flood, and the tower of Babel. So you need to know that going out of the story because those, those things uh, just impact the whole rest of the story. Beyond that though, there are things that you should know in these chapters like the crimson thread of redemption. That's Genesis 3.15. And all that's happening in that verse and how that's God saying, I'm going to come and fix it. It's all in there. Uh, and, and then we can follow that thread throughout the story. And then we need to look at Cain and Abel for a little bit. And uh, that's sort of the beginning of sibling rivalry, which is a huge theme throughout the Bible. Look at the siblings. They just are, it's a, it's a fascinating thing when you begin to see it, uh, of what's going on and their offerings and what the problem is there. There's a guy named Lamech who's horrible. Uh, and he he's going to sort of expand evil uh, to new levels. Uh, we got to talk more about the Elohim. I brought them into the story last week, and we'll we'll talk more about them as they go. The giants, the Nephilim, um, the uh, depending on what translation uh, translation you use in Genesis six, it introduces these giants, and uh, some translations say Nephilim. Who are the giants? We're going to talk about that. Because I think we have a tendency to skip over it, um, because it's like <laughs> giants, and uh, and so we just don't we don't. And yet, it's a huge part of the story. So uh, that's what we're going to do in our brief time together. Uh, I have 16 minutes to do this overview. It's going to take 20. So there you go. <laughs> I was thinking I could really push it. I'm going to take another big hit of that coffee, <laughs> but I don't want to do that. So. Uh, so let's look at the, the three biggies and then get you ready and then read it and then we're going to come back and really take our time to go through it. So uh, the first thing that you need to understand is the, the fall. This is the first of the three big rebellions that happen on the planet. And the, the what you need to know that's happening at the fall 
is I set this up last week when I introduced the little E Elohim, the heavenly family that God created before he created us, and that what it looks like happens is that some of them don't like the idea of adding a human family into the mix. God's heart was to have this amazing place. We looked at uh, the ideal Genesis 1 and 2, a heaven and earth connection on a mountain, beautiful, beautiful gardens all for us. And he was with us. His presence was there. And we were created in his image. And there's these rivers of water that go everywhere. And it's just glorious and perfect. And, and people are, there's no shame and there's no guilt. And they're, they can be vulnerable and completely trust one another and trust God. That's the, that's the situation that we have in Genesis 1 and 2. But it changes here in Genesis 3. And the heart of God, as I said, was us, his human family, and him, and the heavenly beings were all going to dwell together here on the planet, hang out in this connection, and we're all going to love God and love one another. Yay. Some of the Elohim, though, apparently don't like us, don't want us involved in the equation. And so one of them in particular at the fall, he comes up with a plan to sort of, I think his hope is that God will scuttle the idea of a human family if he has his way. And he's going to convince them to do the one thing that God said, don't do that. And, uh, and from there, is what happens is the fall happens. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be looking at this together. So this, this one gets in the way. Let's get him in the story. The serpent, that's how he's known. We'll spend time looking at it. It's, it's more than a talking snake. I'll just say that, and then we'll dig on it next last week. All right, but let's keep going. More crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And you, we looked at the divine command. It's not what God ever said. You, you, you can have everything. It's all for you. That's how the command starts. Stay away from this one tree. And the, uh, she said, the woman gets it. She said, uh, we may eat from the trees in the garden, um, but God did say, you must not eat free from the root from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will dry. And, and we introduced them. We'd spent a whole couple of weeks on the trees. There's one in the dead center of the garden, the tree of life. But near it, you have to walk by one to get the other, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he, that's the one we're supposed to stay away from. Remember, one is a picture of God giving life and where we find life and where we trust God and that we trust Him to give us wisdom as we need it. The other one is us saying, God, we don't trust you, we can't wait for you, and we're going to do it our way, and we're going to define good and evil for ourselves. That's it. The, that's the baseline for sin. We choose to define good and evil for ourselves. Uh, and then she kind of tosses in, because they, they were apparent, they shouldn't, yeah, and you, you must not touch it or you will die. We don't see God saying that, um, but they're, they're, that's where they took it. Well, the, the evil one here says, you, you're not going to die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's what's fascinating about the temptation. There's an irony to it. Uh, you'll be like God if you do it. Here's the irony. They already were like God. They were created in His image. They were reflecting God. They had His qualities. They had, they, it, and I would tell you that that's what all sin is like. It's this temptation that you can have something that you want on your terms instead of trusting in God and allowing it to be on God's terms. That's where sin is. And uh, the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Make sure you see that. The, the Hebrew is very clear. Adam was there. Not like he was off and it all happened. It, they were there uh, and that's a big deal. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So all of a sudden, like a rush, 
every this ideal amazing universe that they lived in with God's presence and everything happening and just trust and awesomeness and great relationship and everything just went just like that. We'll dig into more when that happens because they did what they were not supposed to do. And there were consequences for that, which we'll dig in more deeply. But let me tell you that the major consequence was that they were exiled. They were cut off from this ideal that God had made. And they no longer had access to the tree of life. Uh, it was, it was, they lost that. And they were um, exiled. And at the end of the story, it says that God put cherubim with flaming swords there so you, in the east so you, you couldn't get back in. And that's important. They'll come up more. I'll tell you why. Because the cherubim, you find the cherubim in interesting places when you read the scripture. These are their heavenly throne beings. Um, so they're there sort of guarding that you can't get past them to get into heaven and earth access at that point. But later on, when God builds a tabernacle, which is a representation of heaven and earth, when he's designing all the furniture, and the absolute holiest of all that stuff, defining the presence of God, is the this place you know where God basically, that his throne, right? The mercy seat and everything is there. And in it, on gold, are cherubim on either side. There they are again, and that's a heaven and earth thing, and there's a cherubim. Another really cool connection is when you read about the resurrection with Jesus, and, and they peek into the tomb and there's two angels in there and when they see them they're on either they're on either side of the the linen that Jesus left the, and it's another picture of the mercy seat and now it's a picture of that they're there but the entrance because of Jesus there's a way back in again scripture does this constantly these amazing cool connections as you see them what it does with the bible is makes you go wow and when you get a wow or two you'll keep going back for more filled with wows. Okay, so there was a big deal. Boom, they lost access. They're out. We'll dig into that more as we go. And you would think that people would get the message. With rebellion, there's a consequence, and it's not a good consequence. Uh, It gets worse. (laughs) And the next worst thing that happens, and we'll read about Cain and Abel and Lamech, and you'll see the violence in evil building, is the flood. Uh, And the flood is is a big deal. Let me read this to you from Genesis 6, verse 1. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, Elohim, saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. That's a big problem. And it's a takeoff on the story. Remember, not that when we looked at the fall and Eve saw the fruit was beautiful and good to look at and she went for it. It's a spin on that, because now these heavenly beings are seeing the daughters of women, and they're not supposed to take from the daughters of women, but because they're beautiful, they decide to. And in effect, what they decide to do was, since they couldn't scuttle God's plans for a human family, they'll just make their own. But they're not going to be children, they're going to be like slaves. It's a huge difference. They don't care about people, they just don't want what God wanted. And so they begin to procreate with human women. And the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they're mortal, though days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God, Elohim, went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, and they were the heroes of old, the men of renown. First time I ever read that, I was thinking these were all the good guys, heroes of old, men of renown, when in fact it's not. These were the, the evil, false filled with violence, kings and warriors of the time. Uh, and, and they were the offspring of the Elohim and human daughters called the Nephilim or giants. And that's where they come from. That's how we get them in the story. And they 
they quickly just take humanity to a level of evil that's off the charts. You know, and the, the flood is a big deal. I think we read the flood story sometimes and we have the, the children's version in our head that we teach in children's church on purpose because you want to teach, you know, and it's beautiful ark and, an, ooh, animals and the ark, yay! Not everything that's going on outside the ark, which is horrible. Why is it so hard? Because violence and evil is worse. Has to be dealt with. And it's a, it's a picture of God cleansing this evil because of what the Elohim have introduced. This is the way it has to be done. The flood is the solution to this horrible problem. And it's a reversal of in Genesis 1, when we see that the waters covered the earth and then God speaks into it and all the earth, everything springs out of it. It's going to be a reset and everything is going to be covered once again by water to cleanse it all. However, not everything. Uh, because God says, I'm going to wipe from the face of the earth and uh, the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. People read that. Actually, a better translation for that word, regret, is that I'm grieved that I have made them. And it's not that he's angry. God is brokenhearted. I told you what God's idea was in the last series. That's God's heart that stays his heart. But our choices and part of the heavenly being's choices towards rebellion and evil have ruined it. And the Elohim's involvement in inappropriate ways with human women has created this race. And they've spread evil to every corner of the planet. And it's just horrific. And so God's going to do a reset and bring the waters over the planet. But rather than a complete reset, there's one guy and his family that he's going to work with. Genesis 6, 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. And Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So fortunately we have Noah, because God never gives up on his plan for us. There's always a way being carried forward, which is really good news for us, because we're a mess. And and so what God does is, he takes Noah, and you know this story, and his wife, and the three sons and their wives, and animals, representative animals, and he puts them on this ark. And the ark is like a floating Eden. If you look at it that way, you'll see, oh, well, he's just, he preserved what he started with. He's got it on a floating Eden, going to take care of them. And then he's going to get a new start happening, a sort of a reset, cosmic reset. And they're going to come back down and they're going to go from there. That process, uh, I love this verse. The Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they're mortal. No days will be 120 years. I think a lot of people have read that, and the understanding they take away from that is that God's tired with people living six, seven, eight, nine hundred 900 years. And so you're going to shorten that right there to 120 years. Well, it's not, I don't think that's what's happening, because after the flood, people keep living for quite a while, for lots and lots of time. This is actually a picture of God's mercy Because what God says is, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I've got to deal with this, but before I completely deal with it, there's going to be a 120-year period so that people have an opportunity to repent. Because that's God's heart. God always, he doesn't just drop heavy judgments like boom. He he wants people to repent and to change. There's opportunities for that to happen. This is 120 years. So it's 120 years from Genesis 6-3 until the waters actually come on the earth. And there's a thing happening during this 120 years in the desert with this big boat. People don't even know. It's it's a conversation starter. What? You see that thing in the desert? 
And, and it would spread over and people could go. Noah's called the preacher of righteousness. Did you ever think about that? Because people would come and say, what in the world are you doing, Noah? And he would tell them. And people have an opportunity to hear the message and repent and have life. They don't. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And the flood happens. And uh, uh, we find out after... It's fascinating. Genesis 9.1. God blessed Noah after the flood. And his son saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. This is exactly what he gave. It was a commission to Adam and Eve in the beginning. Go and fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That's what you're supposed to do. Fill the earth. Uh, new start. When we read this in depth, though, what you're going to find is fascinating link. Is that there, right after this, in another garden scene, Noah is going to end up, the new Adam, sort of naked and ashamed. It's amazing. Like a... When, and when you start making these connections, well, that, was, that happened to the other Adam, yeah? And here it sets in move again. And so uh, there's going to be another rebellion. I'm doing pretty good. I'm like six minutes from landing this thing, so. I know. It's a teachy thing. If you like teaching, you're good. And if you, I, I don't have that today, so I got, I got this. All right. Sometimes I have that, and sometimes I don't. Tower of Babel. So this is the third big rebellion. And, uh, and so the people are told after the flood, scatter and go. Listen, doing that, that's the will of God. That's the mission of God. That's our vocation. We're supposed to go and spread the word wherever we go. That's what we're supposed to do. And people decide they don't want to do that. They rebel against that. They want to get together. Because when you're out doing that, you know what you have to do? You have to trust God. Because he's got to help you and lead you and guide you and prepare for you, provide for you. He's got to do all that. But if you decide, you're going to be better off hanging out here. That's what, I know what that, that's what God wants. I don't want to do that. Let's get together and hang out. And they have a new technology in Genesis 11. And this new technology they have convinces them they don't need God anymore. If you haven't ever picked this up, I think you're just fat. You know what the new technology is? Bricks. <laughs> Consider what we have now. And you think, a brick? Really? Up with a brick, they thought they could change everything. Genesis 11.1. 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. God was dealing with people on the whole at that time. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. And they said to one another, come let us make bricks. Now we know how to. Burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, let us build ourselves a city. We're supposed to go and do these things. We don't want to do that. We want to do for ourselves. We'll build a tower with its top in heaven. We don't need God for a heaven and earth connection. We'll make our own. We'll make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. You see the rebellion? We don't want to do what you want, God. We're going to do what we want. And we're going to, we don't need you. Out of the picture, name for ourselves, build a tower. And, and so this is amazing what happens. And, and then when you read the account, see, I told you the chronology of the Bible isn't always the way you expect. And what we read in Genesis 10 is actually the fallout of Genesis 11. In Genesis 10, what we find out that God does is that he takes and he disperses the 70 nations with different languages and everything. He's going he's gonna to spread them out. And uh, they're given under the control of the little E Elohim. And what, God never gives up on people. But what he said, you, over, you just continually choose not me. So I'm going to I'm going to give you sort of what you want here and I'm going to put 70 nations under the control of the little E Elohim but I'm going to keep one nation for myself. And from that one nation all of these nations cuz God doesn't God wants these people. 
All of these nations will have a way back through this one nation. That's the story that's going to run through the Bible. In Deuteronomy it says, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the numbers, uh, the number of the sons of God, Elohim. He gave 70 nations. But the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob, Israel, his allotted heritage. I'm going to keep one. And through the one, there's a way back. And that one is Israel, and then we're going to see through the covenants and everything that happens, it is through Jesus that we all have a way back. And so all of that is coming into the story. Um, but these Elohim that are given control over the nation, we don't know initially if they're all corrupt, but they all get corrupted uh, over time. And God's got to take care of them and judge them as well. And we read in uh, the Psalms, God has taken his place in the divine council. We talked about that last week. In the midst of the Elohim, he holds judgment. He said, he said looks at them and says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. That means think about it. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. That's what you're supposed to do with people. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them. From the hand of the wicked, they, they, neither knowledge nor understanding, they walk about in darkness, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, God said, you are gods, little g, e, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. That's how they're judged. And then the psalmist says, arise, O big g, God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. God wants all the people and really never changed. But we've said no, 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 no so many times that this is what happened. Those Elohim that popped in are still behind every evil. They've infiltrated every institution on the planet. I don't say that lightly. But they're, they're very real and they're, they're actively involved in the mess. Along with us choosing our own way all the time. But they're there. So what you see repeated over in Genesis 1 through 11 over and over again is is that God keeps giving humans the chance to do the right thing. And we keep not doing it. But he never gives up on us. Hang on to that. That's the hope, right? And, and that's what he's going to do. He never, ever gives up on us. And there, as the story evolves, you'll just see God continuing to move towards us until he comes fully God, fully man onto the scene in Jesus and pays and deals with the power of sin and the power of death once and for all. So that all of us can be reconnected to God. That's the overview. I hope you read it. Now go read it. And then... (laughs) There you go. It actually made me sweat. So that doesn't happen. All right. uh, Ministry team, those of you who want your head over the wall, people over there here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me say, listen, the way into the story is Jesus for all of us. Uh, it, it says, you know, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, that he actually did come and deal with the power of sin and the power of death. We just say yes to Jesus. And that's where our life starts. And if you've never done it, please do it today. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? It's the beginning of everything for you. Best decision you will ever make. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So, cherubim. Um, Tell us, were the cherubim that were on the mercy, either side of the mercy seat and either side of the where Jesus was, did they have wings? <laughs> this is a hot question. Because the joke is that <laughs> angels don't have wings. 
most of the time in Scripture. But this special group of heavenly created beings does have wings. The answer is yes to cherubim. Very good. And seraphim all have wings. Very good. And, and don't let me destroy your things about angels. Yes, okay? that's right. God is faithful. If he's... Miss, Alicia, Miss Alicia has a word that I'd like her to share with our group here. Thank you, honey. Good morning, church. Um, as I was praying for the corporate church gathered this morning, I felt a wave of his compassion being poured out over us. And I asked him about that, and I felt the Lord saying to me, not everyone came here easily this morning, whether it was something physical or spiritual or emotional or, um, he said, but I am Elroy, the God that sees them. I will pour out my compassion and grace on them. And I'm so glad that they're here to receive it. Thank you, Miss Alicia. I don't know if any of y'all have ever argued back with God about what he wants you to do. No, no I've never. <laughs> no, not us, yeah. yeah. And no one here driving in ever had an argument amongst themselves yeah. either on That's the way to no, church. No, never. No family ever like completely melted <laughs> down and pulled into the parking lot and said, get it together now! He's speaking from experience. Okay. Let's close, shall we? Yeah, we should. Uh, What do I do here? I know. Thank you, church, for being so generous. We love partnering with you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your faithfulness to giving, tithing, offering. We had the truck go down, the big food truck, ice cream truck, went down to a big event in Key West last night and gave away and blessed people everywhere. Thank you for making that possible. We give all that cool stuff away. It's just very cool. Thank you. That's because of you guys. And uh, so that's that. Let's sing doxology and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Please be kind in the parking lot. It's a little full. You've got to have a lot of patience out there. But God's out there, so be patient. And uh, hope your team wins. Go fish and catch some fish. Bye. Thanks for watching, everybody. God bless you guys. Uh, read Genesis 3 through 11. We're going to dig deep starting next week. Bye.